Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. This will be our post draft edition and as always i am your host jake mastriani i'm uh, with me uh we have alan good day and fred howdy there and guys we haven't been on in a little bit obviously here with the suspension of play but a big week uh this week in baseball with the draft and then also the ongoing quote-unquote negotiations between baseball and the players if you can call it a negotiation so uh really got a lot to talk about to dive into uh we really could probably uh, go on for quite a while. We we did before we got on and uh, probably could have gone on even longer, but uh, we'll try to, to get our thoughts out on uh, everything that's going on with the, the draft and uh, the negotiation to hopefully start up the season soon. So, Alan, I'll kind of go uh, to you first. You know, we kind of talking about this beforehand, but the league sent out another proposal today um, to the players. Uh, this one, a 72-game uh, season proposal starting on July 14th giving players 80% guaranteed of their prorated salaries if the postseason is completed and 70% with no postseason. We know the players continue to push for 100%, and they gave them a deadline of Sunday uh, also in this. Uh, they ex- talk about an expansion of 20, 29-man rosters for the first month, and this also includes expanded play, uh, postseason with eight teams from each league making it. Uh, there's a couple of the, the notes or high points that I saw in there and it sounds like the players are already ready to reject this like they've done every other time and like the league has done every time the players have sent a counter proposal but uh, alan what are kind of your overall thoughts on the the so-called negotiations and how everything's kind of gone down a few days ago i suggested that if the players and the owners were 5,280 feet one mile apart that their proposal at the time brought them together by about maybe two feet This proposal probably does about two inches because it's frankly about the same as what we've been seeing every other proposal. You you multiply the number of games times the proration, you get the same kind of dollars or right around the same kind of dollars, which suggests to me that the owners just don't want to budge on their position whatsoever. It's uncanny that nothing is getting done here. Or it would be uncanny, except that you've got to consider the language that was negotiated back on March 26th. The owners own this agreement. They've got a stranglehold on the players regarding that language. They can impose the season. They can define whatever the financial limitations are that dictate how many games are happening or how they are being conducted. They own it, and now they also own the calendar. The calendar is certainly against the players, and there's nothing they can do about it. Their alternatives are simply go on strike or give in, and doesn't sound like that's what they want to do. They're going to end up with a lot less money than they're being offered even now. I don't get why they just say, okay, I'm smelling the coffee. I I can do the math. 
we'll go ahead and accept it. We don't like it, and we think you guys are being terrible people, but we're going to accept it for the good of the game. Even if they said something like that, then they'd at least win the goodwill of the public and move on. But nope, they're not uh, willing to do that. They're not willing to give up their macho position of we want 100% proration, and they're going to pay for it. That's all there is to it. Yeah, and that's really where my struggle is, and I've kind of gone on a bit of a rant on Twitter today because I'm just fed up with the whole thing, and as much as I love baseball, this is just absolutely draining on me, and we kind of talked about before, the fact that this is in public, and fans are seeing this and just seeing how stubborn both sides are being, I just think is absolutely terrible for the game. The way that it's handled is absolutely terrible, and I'm just kind of sick of it for the first time ever. I don't I honestly don't even really care if there's a season at this point. I'm, I'm just tired of seeing the, the petty back and forth and to know that we're going to have to go through it again in, in a couple of years. It just, it, it's killing my heart. You know, I, I love the game of baseball. Obviously, you know, if there is baseball, I'm going to watch it. But, and I remember Fred talking about this, you know, a while back and I believe Bruce Myers, the guy that he talked about that the union hired to, to be their negotiator. And, and it sounded, and you know, I remember Fred saying that it was going to be, you know, a dogfight, and, and that's exactly what it's turned out to be. Uh, so, Fred, I'll kind of turn it over to you, kind of your thoughts on uh, the whole ordeal and, and how it's gone down. Well, I, I'm pretty, I'm on record to saying, you know, Tony Clark got his, got short-sheeted here in, in, uh, with the CBA, and uh, then Manfred immediately did the, st- the, the really manly thing and rubbed his nose in it. And from that point on, it's been impossible for these two to talk to each other without spitting. So when he went out and hired his hunter-killer negotiator, now that negotiator only does what Clark tells him to do. So Clark tells him to go in there and be the killer, attack killer, and not give an inch. That's what he's going to do. You have to come to a negotiating table, both sides, and Mavericks is bad. Uh, You have to come to the negotiating table willing to talk. And if you were in the same room, which they're not, but if they were in the same room, Manfred could say, look, guys, we've got $1.46 billion. That's what you're going to get. You can have it for 50 games or you can have it for 75 games. That's what you're going to get. Now, we can talk about other things. We can talk about other other things to make you happy, uh, free agency, arbitration. We can talk about all that, all that stuff if you want, but this is what money that you're going to get. And we'll, we, we've showed it to you four or five different ways to give you a way to accept this gracefully. And on Sunday, if you don't accept it gracefully, I'm going to tell you it's 50 games to get to the field. And you have to because you signed a thing in March that said you would. You know, you don't get your extra postseason like that, and you don't get all these extra goodies like that, and it's, it's not good for the game. Uh, and we're offering you an opportunity to be the big men here, so stand up and be the big men. And Clark's going, no, uh, that'd be a loss, and I'm not taking another loss. I've had too many of them. I'm not taking another one. So there you are. If you could put them in a room, which you can't because we're all going to die, if you'd put them in a room together and they sat across a table from one another, you would get this worked out. But I think that um, uh, this is something Glavin said today on on, uh, XM. The fact that you're not in a room, that you're doing this over Zoom and by email and sadly in the public makes it hard to see body language you can if you make a suggestion and you're looking across if i'm asking a question and i see alan make a body movement i know whether he's for or against that and in the room i can do that on on zoom you can't do that you can't see everybody at once i know they're all over the screen but it's not the same thing you you negotiating when it's not in person is a bad idea 
particularly when the, the people in charge don't like each other much. And that's where we're at right now. I think, you know, you know, I said a long time ago, the union could win this whole battle, PR battle, by saying, look, here's what we're going to do, guys. Let's take this up. And then next negotiating period, we got them. We got them on arbitration. We got them on service time. We got them on free agency. We're going to get all this. We're going to get expanded post seas. We're going to get all this next negotiation time because we got this now, and they don't dare turn us down. But they're not that smart, apparently. Yeah, and and it really seems to keep going back. You know, I think both of you kind of touched on it. I know Alan talking about the agreement that they had in March. You know, the union or not the union, but the the league, the owners really just had that in their back pocket and keep going back to it. And, and you know, and that's their their right. It was agreed to. They have it. But, you know, we talked about beforehand where we started recording. It just seems like it's a pride thing at this point. You know, neither side wants to to give in to to feel like they, they've lost or they've given up anything. And I don't, again, I'm just kind of sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of the media, you know, continually backing the only the players in this. You know, media is supposed to be unbiased, but I, I keep seeing all these tweets from media members just backing the players and, and trying to be buddy-buddy with them. And I get it. You want to get interviews, but I'm, I'm just sick of it because there's blame to go on both sides. Both sides are to blame. And, and I, I'm just I'm sick of seeing all of it in the media. I think it's ruining uh, the game, and I think it's really, really terrible. So uh, I'm going to quit talking about it. But, Alan, you have any other, other thoughts on it? Well, congratulations, Tony Clark. You're going to get 100% of your pie. It's only one-third of the pie, but you're going to get all of that one-third. That's essentially where we're at right now, and it's really frustrating. You want these guys to succeed. I want this Atlanta Braves team to get on the field because I think they've got a window of opportunity to do some really good things. And if we can't get them on the field, we're not going to see that, darn it. Yeah, I saw somebody tweet the other day that we're missing Mike Trout's age 28 season, and I just I literally wanted to cry. Um, but, uh, Fred, you have any other kind of final thoughts, how you think this thing's going to play out? Are we, we going towards a 50-game schedule and then going to an arbitrator? Well, I think you're going to go to a 50 game schedule. Uh, there's, if you go into arbitration, I think you're, 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 you're out of having a season at all. Uh, the, I'm going to you know, pick up something Alan just said here. The people who are being hurt aren't Tony Clark and Rob Manford and the owners. Those, I mean, the owners are going to lose billions of dollars. Yes, they are. You, I, you know, you can spend this anyway. Well, they may had revenues of this. Yes, but they also had a lot of expenditures. The people we're, that are hurting are we're hurting. We're lo- we lose Mike Trout for a year. We lose Ronald Acuna for a year. We we use, we lose Soto for a year. We lose Degrom for a year, and and Verlander and Kershaw and all these brilliant, wonderful players out there, Albies and and Freed and all these guys who are really great players are going to be a year older, and we haven't seen them play, and they haven't got to do the job they love. And the union is run for and by the rich players. If if you doubt that, just look at the uh, look at the uh, salary structure and who they fight for. And they fight for the big payday guys with the vector that'll trickle down to the others. Uh, trickle down economics didn't work in the in the national government, and it doesn't work very well in baseball. So th- the union's going to get what it wants here. It wants a fight so that it can say we tried. They didn't very hard, and the owners are going to get to win. And in the end, the fans and the players lose. That's what really hurts about all of it is that you know all you just said. We're missing the we're missing another season. We're missing great players like Acuna, like Trout, 
And uh, I'm not going to let it slip that you put Freed in there as a Cy Young candidate and mentioned him with the Grum. Um, but I, I did. I was excited to see <laughs> him and others this year. And, you know, we're just not getting them in it. And it, it really hurts. Um, it's painful. So we're going to quit talking about it now. But there, there's a deadline on Sunday that the, the owners gave the players. And if that's not met, then I, I think we are headed towards that 50 game season. Let's shift gears here and go into hopefully a more positive topic uh, in the the draft, which we had this week, which was uh, nice to actually have some uh, somewhat exciting uh, baseball news uh, to talk about and to to watch. Uh, I watched a pretty good bit of the draft. It's really the only thing sports related I've watched since the shutdown. And it was enjoyable, even though the Braves only had four picks. Um, Obviously, they, they lost a pick by signing Will Smith and really Ozuna too, but they got one back, the twin signing Donaldson, but that kind of washed it out with the Ozuna signing. So uh, they lost the, the, the second round pick, only had four picks in the draft, but I still thought it was a, a very good draft for the Braves. I know a lot of people were upset with the, the first round pick, but as Fred's going to tell you, that's just because people don't know what they're talking about. But um, I thought it was a good draft. Me and Alan both graded them out as, uh, you know, a B, B plus grade for the draft so i think that's you know a very good job um just quickly going through the picks in the first round the braves took uh left-handed pitcher jared schuster from wake forest uh they went their next pick that didn't come all the way until pick number 97 in the third round they took outfielder jesse franklin uh, from michigan and then uh the next round they took spencer strider a right-handed pitcher from clemson and then they wrapped up the draft taking uh, right-handed pitcher Bryce Elder from Texas, which really was a, a shock to me uh, that he was available there. Um, it sounds like maybe there were some signability issues with him, and that's why he fell so far. But, um, you know, I, I told Alan the other day, I mean, there's a possibility that he could be the best player that the Braves took in this draft when it's all said and done. So I, I'm really excited that they got a, got him and got a shot to, to sign him, and hopefully they do. If they don't, that obviously changes this draft a uh, pretty, uh, pretty big bit. So, um, Fred, I'll start with you on this one since me and Alan both kind of got out articles kind of grading how we thought the Braves did. How did you think that they did in this draft? Well, I, the Braves were in a really bad position in the draft because although they shortened the draft to five rounds, uh, they didn't relax the spending limits for the draft. So the Braves had a draft pool of $4 million and and change 4.1 4.3 million something like that and 2.7 of that is in the first round pick so what anthopolis and his diligent crew had to do was they had to find a first round pick that was worthy of a first round and try to save enough money in that first round and in the in, in the out rounds to allow them to get another really good player with high ceiling if you look at dan Dana Brown's uh, comment to, to Bowden and, and to O'Brien, who said, maybe we save enough money to get a player with a higher ceiling that from the second round that falls to us. Well, okay, so they went, they, they did that, and I, and I slept through uh, until uh, pick 95 or something like that. Well, I didn't. I watched it all. But the um, when they picked 
uh, uh, Franklin, I said, that makes sense. Franklin's got some upside. He's got light tower power. What he can't do is stay healthy. Uh, but if he does stay healthy, he's a corner outfielder, 30, 30 homer bat. And he's a good outfielder at that, if he can, again, if he can stay healthy. So that sort of makes sense. But he was he's rated like 154th or both the top of my head. He would have been there at round four. But taking him early guarantees money. So there's they're still hoarding money. So you go to the next round, and here's the one that shocked me. They took Strider. Now, this is nothing against any of these players. I want to make it perfectly clear. These are all good baseball players, or they wouldn't get drafted at all. These all have major league potential. These are all very, very good ball players. But Strider's coming off Tommy John surgery. His coach had him penciled in as the fifth starter next year because he didn't think Strider was going to get. He said, well, it's possible. He didn't think Strider was going to get taken. So Strider's going to be there in the fifth round. Why don't you go grab your high ceiling player now? Well, there's only three reasons I can think of. First of all, the high ceiling player you were looking at was gone. Whether that's Colin Wilcox or whoever, the, that high ceiling player is gone. The second reason is you got to the high ceiling player, you talked to him, he was still there, and he said, yeah, that ain't enough. And so you left him alone. Or you just didn't save enough money to get to a point within the, where you had an agreement. You had to bring player X for uh, this amount of money, and you're 200000 short, and he won't agree to take it to 200000 dollars short. So you're left saying, okay, who else can I buy? Now, with all respect to Elder, Elder is a pitchability pitcher who pitches a ch- off a changeup and an 88-mile-an-hour fastball. He has to be really perfect to be good in the major leagues, or he has to find another five miles an hour. And his resume, uh, the, the, when they talk about him, they say, he's a safe pick. He's, you know what he's got. He's got this three-pitch mix, and he's going to, he just looks like a safe pick. He may have been the best pick that they could afford out there, and that's quite probably where it landed from what I can tell. But, you know, I looked at the thing, and I said, well, there's a guy named Yandy Morales in Florida, a high school prep guy who looks like he would jump at the chance to come to the Braves. And there's a guy named Ty Floyd in Georgia, Rockwell, Georgia, who might well come to the Braves too. Now, maybe those guys didn't want to come. Maybe the Braves didn't think much of them. That's fine. Those guys, uh, I said, the night I got uh, Schuster Wright as the next pick, I said, I don't know duty about these guys, and I don't. I just know what I read and what I watch. But it seems to me that there were high ceiling players out there and the Braves didn't get them because either they didn't have enough money or the player wouldn't agree. In any case, the players aren't bad players. Strider could be a closer at some point in time. I I like Franklin if he can stay healthy. And I do like Schuster a lot. I think they're going to like I think they're going to like Schuster once he comes in and gets people to work on that motion. They're going to like what they see out of that big man. He wants to pitch, and he's got a hard work ethic, and he spent the winter getting better, and came out five miles an hour faster. I think that's that's a good indication that he's willing to do more. So I think all in all, it's a pretty good thing that considering what they had to maneuver through. Yeah, now, I didn't hear your thoughts on the the elder pick, but I'm sure you're kind of in the same boat. That's just a you know, a tough sign, and hopefully the Braves saved up enough money to get him. Is that kind of how you saw that? Well, I said that he was, you know, he's a safe sign because he's not going to let you down. He's not going to be bad, but I don't think he's ever going to be anything. I mean, I, I he's the guy with the, who's got the, you know, he's a safe sign, three-pitch mix, has to hit his target, has to do, he's, unless he goes to a drive line or somebody and spits another five-mile-an-hour out there, 
you know, maybe he comes in and he's Mike Montgomery, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, and I don't and the the draft the drafts reports and the stuff I looked at didn't show that to be the case. He may do that. I hope he does. Uh, but you know, right now Schuster's the best guy out of here, and I've got Franklin behind him. Okay, I thought you were talking about Strider when you were saying all that, but I I, I I'm much higher on Elder, I guess, because I've got to, I've watched him a, a few times in college, and I just I've, I'm not saying he's going to be a top of the rotation guy, but I think he's like you said, I think he's a safe bet. And I think he's somebody that could stick in the, the middle back of a rotation for a long time and, and eat some innings and, and win you some games. So, you know, I know that's not a, you know, a sexy pick and, you know, not a lot of upside there, but I, I like that pick. I like those kind of players where you can be pretty certain you're going to get something out of them at the big league level. So that's why I kind of like that pick, um, you know, just as much if not more than some of the others who are kind of project players. You're hoping that they become something and, you know, hopefully you hit on one of those guys. Hopefully, you know, uh, Schuster does put it all together and, you know, the improvements that we saw from him in the Cape Cod last last year and um, into his spring season, you know, before it got shut down, you're hoping those improvements continue and that he can com- become a frontline starter. There's just not as much of a resume there for him. He doesn't have a huge track record, you know, whereas in and Elder got it, you know, he did. He he had a 2.93 ERA in, at Texas in 2019, pitching in a pretty offensive league there, uh, and was really good at the beginning of this year as well. Um, so I, I like both of those guys. You know, I think, like you say, I think Franklin and Strider, I think those were guys that they were hoping to sign under slot and hope that they, they have some upside in them and some potential. But I, I think the Schuster and Elder picks – what make this draft but alan what are, what are your overall thoughts on the draft for the braves fred's hit on all of the points I, that i was thinking about uh, one way or another and part of it is what the braves had to work with they i think went into the draft with a plan i believe that schuster was part of the plan but the plan kind of probably fell apart in the second and third rounds as other potential targets got taken so they they ended up reconfiguring everything and and circling their wagons and said oh let's try elder in the this last round i don't know if they had a plan to sign him already my suspicion is it's going to be a tough one even though i think he should take it i gave him the grade that i did because i think they did well with what they had to work with it, it wasn't that they've got bad players. It wasn't that they got great players, but I think they sort of maximized what fell to them. Still, the, the grade's going to be dependent on whether Elder signs, because it, if he doesn't get in there, that it looks like a really thin draft. Uh, now, we may find out starting next week. Sunday uh, morning is when the, I'll call them the amateur free agents signing period begins. Those that were undrafted can... Uh, start uh, getting their $20,000 checks from any team anywhere. Uh, we'll, we'll see if the Braves go out and fan out and see if they can grab a bunch of guys that uh, can fill in the, the minor league system. And that's essentially what they're going to be. But the understated part of this draft is what they're going to do next week. And we'll, we'll see how far they go, see how much money they've got to spend on that, and and just see how that comes out. But I like Schuster. I like um, Frank, Franklin, if they can maybe pull his feet together a little bit more in the batter's box. I don't know anything about Strider, really, and Elder is who he is. He's, he's maybe the back of the rotation guy, if that, but 
I, I can't complain about that. I just hope they can sign all these guys. And to that extent, I, I do think they did a little better than some of the other teams in the National League East, except the Marlins. The Marlins won the won the draft for the division, no, no problem there. But in all those other cases, they went out and tried to get high-ceiling guys, high-risk guys in their first two picks and then tanked the rest of the draft to try and save money. The Braves tried to lowball a little bit up front in the hope of getting something else later on. My suspicion is like Fred that they didn't get what they wanted. There was just too big a gap between pick 25 and 97, and and that's what happened. Yeah, and I think we're all somewhat in agreement overall. I think they did the best that they could with what they had. And, you know, I think the, the misconception with an MLB draft is that everybody thinks you just take the best player available when you're picked up. And I hear people say that all the time. And you take the best available player for what you think you can afford and what you can afford with the rest of the pick. So uh, the baseball I'm, addressed, player, I'm addressing that in this. In fact, I quoted you in this article. I said, you said you hate that. And I said, it's correct, except the statement should say, take the best player on, on the board that allows the team to stay within the spending limit in the draft <laughs> And set by MLB and acquire enough good players to make sure they get as much value from the draft as possible. That's that's the full statement that goes with take the best available. They just don't have time for that in the soundbite. Right. So, uh, you know, baseball drafts a little bit different in that. So you kind of have to understand that when you're grading a team's draft. And, and I think based on that, I think the Braves um, did pretty well. Like I said, I gave them a, a B plus grade for this draft, you know, depending on whether or not they they are able to sign elder but um the one thing about signing elder is if we don't we lose pool money right because uh you i i texted carlos before before this whole thing started again every rule that's in effect normally is in effect now so if they go over the over the pool by five percent they're going to pay a tax if they go over by ten percent they're going to lose a first rounder and pay a tax so the, the people out there think you can just throw money at this right and left and right and left. Just throw money at it because you can spend all you want, and that's not right. They forget the penalties. They forget the limitations. And, and like you said, you know, you they maneuvered this pretty well considering that I think that they wanted somebody like Will Cox to fall to him because he was unsignable because I think they probably – and then the guy came up and offered him more money, so he signed. So I, I think that that's probably out there. But but the, the loss of money in this and the potential penalties is a big deal. So the, I don't think they would have offered Elder or selected Elder if they didn't have a contract or an agreement with him. Well, they are going to go over slot with him, aren't they? Yeah, they pretty well have to go over slot with to, him. Yeah. They have which to go – Which means well, that if yeah. they lose that that money, then it's, it's still kind of okay. Well, you have to, but you lose the slot, the three hundred and sixty-six thousand, three hundred thirty-six thousand. That mitigates your loss, but you're still going to even if they got Schuster for one point eight, they should be able to pay Elder. Yes, because he's a one point five, one point four guy. I mean, he's a he's a back of the second round, first to the third round kind of player. Because again, he's not, he doesn't have a great record. He strikes out a lot of people in college. I understand that, but he he's not a he's not the pitcher that the major leaguers look for so he's a down the draft kind of guy so he's a million five kind of guy you take a million five and a million eight and then you you play the you pay strider twenty thousand or twenty five thousand and you probably come in within your within your limit which happens to be four million three hundred thirty four thousand one hundred dollars 
to that extent, I wonder if the Braves already do have a uh, deal in place, or at least in principle, with Schuster. But I'm a little surprised that hasn't been announced yet. Well, Schuster said before that he was taken. He didn't know he was being taken by the Braves till five minutes before. So, but I, but he said they've been in contact with me. So we do have a sort of number. But I didn't know they were actually going to take me till five minutes before I was taken. I don't know. But they, they have to believe they can sign these guys or they don't take them. Agree. Well, hopefully in our, our next podcast, that's what we'll be talking about, as well as a, a resumption of the Major League uh, Baseball season. And hopefully the two sides will, will sit down and, and have a picnic together and, and figure this out and be cordial. <laughs> but, You're uh, funny. Kumbaya. Uh, <laughs> don't think they're going to be uh, sitting around the campfire. Uh, making s'mores anytime soon, but you know, they'll probably um, be chucking hot coals <laughs> at each other. Uh, but do enjoy the the conversation, and, and again, excited about the draft and be able to to talk some some baseball. Um, and again, hopefully, we do have some sort of agreement soon. And once we do, we'll start putting out the podcast uh, regularly on a weekly basis once again. But appreciate you listening to the podcast, and please continue to uh, to check out the the site at tomahawktake.com. We still have a lot of content coming out. We'll have more draft coverage as, as guys are signed. Be on the lookout for another podcast coming out here in the, in the new future once we do have an agreement between the two sides of a season starting because it will happen. It, it has to happen, I and mean, hopefully it happens sooner rather than later. So I appreciate you all listening, and we'll talk to you next time. This Negotiated Over Skype 2020 edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are strictly those of the participants, all rights reserved. Some of the music used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0 and features a selection by Kevin McLeod entitled Fuzzball Parade. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. The rest of the selections used today come via rights purchased by me and used by Tomahawk Take with my permission. Thank you for listening, and may all your draft picks have the highest of upsides. Unless you work for the Phillies or Mets.